Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, a man that likes his eggs sunny side up, his juice fresh squeezed, and he takes his coffee like his women, both full of alcohol, is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you, you crazy people. Welcome back to part two of the Johnny Gosh case, and happy Halloween to you. It's morning time in the garage, Captain, so maybe by the end of the show, we will be drinking Jade IPA by Foothills Brewing in the cigarette capital of the world, beautiful Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is a wonderful, wonderful beer. Let's give it four and a half bottle caps out of five, so very close to total five there, right? This is a gem of an IPA using bold, citrusy Pacific Jade hops. And Jade IPA was brought to us by Rebecca in Great Falls, Virginia, and Renee in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. That's fun to say. Next, we have Kim in Waxhall, North Carolina. Also, there is Rachel. Waxhall, Waxhall. There's Rachel in Los Angeles, California. Rachel says, cheers, and asks if we would like to share a slanket. Aye. <laughs> and finally, we have Catherine in Brenham, Texas. So thank you all for pitching in and buying us around for this week's show. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And we like your G. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all that fun stuff at True Crime Garage. And also you can check out our trailers on, on YouTube. That's right. True Crime Garage TV. Now, Captain, if I go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the store page, can I still pick up a t-shirt? Yes, for like a couple more days. <laughs> for just a couple done. days. And then shirts are done. So mm-hmm. get your, I'm calling this our flag shirt. So get the True Crime Garage flag shirt at truecrimegarage.com. 
And that's enough of the business. That's right. Gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. Hey. And just like the captain said, we are doing part two of the Johnny Gosh case. Uh, this is a boy that disappeared when he was 12 years old. Uh, and I'll do a quick little like uh, John Madden recap of the first half for you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so on uh, September 5th, 1982, Johnny Gosh, he was 12 years old. He lived with his mom and dad and his brother. And uh, he went out early in the morning to deliver the newspaper. And one of the other paper boys, he was he was walking with his wagon, pulling it be- beside him. And he, one of the other paper boys, they had a spot where they would meet up and they would collect that day's paper. Well, this was a Sunday, so it's a big paper. And while he's walking towards the paper stack, he's approached by a vehicle. And this other paper boy sees Johnny talking to the driver of the car. Um, Johnny continues on his way to go pick up the newspapers. And again, this vehicle pulls up to now where there's several boys and opens up the car door and he's asking the driver's asking for directions. Now, um, shortly after this, Johnny's going to continue on his paper route Mm -hmm. and the boys are going to go about their business and do their paper routes. And some have reported that they saw a second man. Um, not everybody is on board with that, but at some point, a vehicle, the same vehicle that, that they had seen before at the newspapers is seen just kind of, you know, squealing tires and rushing out of the area, burning through a stop sign. And Johnny Gosh, his, his wagon still full of newspapers is found on the side of the road with his little dog, Gretchen. And Johnny may or may not have ever been seen again. At this point, the parents just call the cops. The cops are telling people in the community they believe it's a runaway. They think there's no there's no crime scene, is what they say. They can't find one, so therefore they think it's a runaway. Uh, the parents also call the FBI. The parents are talking to anybody that will listen, doing as many interviews as they can. And then it kind of goes cold for a while until there's an arrest by a guy named Paul Banasi. So there was this pretty wealthy business in Omaha, Nebraska called the Franklin Credit Union. Mm-hmm. And it was run by a guy named Lawrence E. King. And um, Paul Banasi says that there was all kinds of parties going on at this place. And there were children involved in having sex with adults. And this was going on because of the relationship of, of Lawrence King with the Boys Town Organization. Um, and they were abusing these children. They were, they were pretending to do well, nice things for them. That's the allegation. Yes. The allegation is that they were abusing children. And so this is Paul's story, but not only that, Paul says, you know, I was involved in the abduction of Johnny Gosh, that I was there the day that Johnny was taken. And, uh, we, you know, we went around in this, this sex ring, this child sex ring would abduct these young boys or young girls and take them and sell them off to wealthy individuals, perverted individuals, and that this was all going on. Uh, and some of these people involved in this thing were 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 known people, were you know, pa- yeah, people of power and success. Yeah, and again, those are just all allegations. Uh, but some of Paul's story checks out. Now, these charges against King would later be dropped. Uh, they found that there was no merit to these allegations. 
and uh, he would go to jail on some other charges, I believe, like tax fraud or, or something, or money laundering or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, never getting charged with the crimes of this, the sex crimes. So, so that's kind of weird. But then Paul uh, Benassi also had a civil suit against King and some other people, and he won the civil suit. None of that money has ever been paid to Paul. Yeah, and there was also quite a bit, a few things that happened between the time that Johnny was taken and that the, you know, Paul Benassi comes onto the scene. And those were things that we didn't get to get to in the first half. So uh, the first thing that we should should note would be the dollar bill, right, Captain? Mm-hmm. So in 1985, a woman in Iowa, she receives a dollar bill and change. She's at like the grocery store. So this is three years after the abduction. Yeah, and she... Well, let's not say abduction. Let's say from the date he went missing. So she receives this dollar bill and change, and she reaches out to the Gosh family, Mm -hmm. and uh, she says, you know, I I got this dollar bill, and on it, it says, somebody had wrote on the dollar bill, I'm alive, and signed it, Johnny Gosh. Mm -hmm. And so she needed to get this to the parents and, and does so, and they use this to help with their investigation. Here's, here's some evidence that Johnny could be alive. You know, obviously anybody could have wrote that on a dollar bill, but Noreen is going to say that that looked to be Johnny's handwriting. Yeah. Well, of course she is. I mean, that's what keeps hope alive. Right. But what they, what they did do, uh, which I think is a good thing is that they, they went to a handwriting analysis, um, expert and had it compared and, and they believe that it checks out with, you know, with some merit there. Okay. So it's not just a mother, a grieving mother looking for hope. There is some, you know, but how much do I believe in handwriting analysis? I don't know. Again, kind of a cruel joke to write on a dollar bill. But you're also, think about this way. 12-year-old boy goes missing. Uh, who has, who, who gets a lot of dollar bills? 15, you know. 13-year-olds to 18-year-olds and some kid doodling at high school pulls out a dollar bill and writes something silly. Gets, well, it gets back to the mom. It's it's kind of freaky, but I think there's some explanation on, on is it real? I, I don't know. Well, and the thing, too, is handwriting analysis is not used in court uh, for criminal cases because there is no, like, general school or general schooling for this to, to be certified as a handwriting right, analysis think, expert. Yeah. I think there's some online tests that you can take. I could probably get a, like a diploma like that, uh, well, like you, from Jamaica. Or you something, might have right? to study for a while. Like, it, you probably just send $50 and, and some shipping hand and handling and they mail you, mail you that diploma from Jamaica. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is um, a dollar bill from, from Johnny it, it makes the story interesting, you know. The other thing, though, here, too, Captain, that I wondered about is when, you know, like you said, this is 1985. Johnny went missing in 82. So even if it was Johnny that wrote that on the dollar bill, who's to say that he didn't write it two days after he disappeared? You right, know, and that, right. that this is just now surfacing for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I had wondered about Do- that. Dollar bills don't stay in circulation really normally that long, though. I do. Well, I didn't know that. But one thing I was trying to do with the documentary, I watched the documentary "Who Took Johnny," mm-hmm. and uh, you know they showed the dollar bill, the actual dollar bill in the documentary, and I paused 
I paused the documentary and I got right up on the screen trying to figure out, you know, look at the dollar bill real close and everything. And I wanted to see the date that that dollar bill was minted um, because, I, you know, that would give us some kind of idea. You know, if this was a dollar bill that wasn't printed until 1984 mm-hmm. and it was wrote somebody wrote that on there, then that's that's even more interesting to me than if it's a dollar bill that came out in 80 or 81. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I wanted to I, I wondered, did he write on this? Two days after he was abducted, did he write on it a week before yeah, they okay, found so, this dollar right. bill? What, what did he find? Did you see? Could you see? I the could date? not see the date. I found nothing. I was hoping to find a, a larger print of this picture on the internet, but I was unable to do so. Which raises a hair of suspicion to me. If if you really think this is some sort of evidence that proves that this kid's still alive, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't? I mean, you got hundreds of pictures posted of Johnny on the internet, why not post this as well? Yeah. Uh, what they do post, if you look for Johnny Gosh dollar bill, one of the things that people are trying to point out is the owl. Have you ever seen the owl in the dollar bill? So if you look at a dollar bill, normally the right-hand corner where it has a one, mm-hmm. there's a kind of a dip down. And in this dip down is an owl. And a lot of people have been talking about this lately or maybe it's just my crazy ass talking about this lately. Because if you look at a dollar bill, like I said, kind of like in the sloop of the of the one in the right-hand corner is a little out. And what does this mean? What does it mean? Uh, well, there's this there's this area called the Bohemian Grove. I don't know if you ever heard of this. I've heard of, yep. So the idea is that, that these rich, powerful people meet at Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. And um, world leaders, and they have these weird retreats mm-hmm. and they have almost these like satanic satanic ritual type uh events and and they it's like a mock sacrifice they claim they don't sacrifice anybody but if you watch the any video footage on this it's 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 a mock they're sacrificing a child so it's a little strange and paul Benassi talked about bohemian grove I, yeah, I'm, I'm he, not for sure, but I, I believe that's one of the places he had mentioned about these parties that would take place that were fundraisers and things like that. Right. Which, which would have been like we said, uh, 85 or so. Um, yeah. And it, just while we're on the subject though, I want to go into this for just to touch on it for a second. It, he would say that, that at these parties, typically what they would do is they would get these children organizations like the boys town and, and different groups where they would bring in kids and have them work the party and that they probably helped out with things like serving and, um, you know, mm-hmm. waiting tables and, and cleaning up busing tables, things of that nature at these, these, these fundraiser type parties. And it wasn't until after the parties, you know, that the, the, the party would go on and it would be the successful people right. with, and sometimes with their families there with their wives or, you know, and this would be a legit fundraising party. But afterwards is when the when the bad stuff went down. You know that that some of these guys came in from out of town and they would mm-hmm. stay for for the next day or two. Um, or sometimes these parties after midnight got got crazy and got uh, way out of hand. Yeah, but see what's going to happen is somebody's listening right now, going, "The captain is crazy conspiracy captain," and that's not true because this is not a conspiracy. People, the Bohemian Grove exists. exists. Yeah. And but here's what's odd about the whole Bohemian Grove for me is when officials have denied it and denied it and denied it and denied it, and it wasn't until somebody got video footage and said, "See, 
you know, at some point it's not conspiracy. It's just what, what is happening at these events? Is it, is it, is there some dark twist after the fundraiser's over? I don't know. And there's no proof of that, but we have allegations. There's allegations. And you know, when the feds, when they raided the Franklin credit union, they came across like, I think it was like over like 20,000 documents of, of strange things. Um, and who mm-hmm. knows what's on those documents. This could all just be things of embezzlement and money laundering. It could be all. I mean, wrong. that's, that's what they went to jail for. Yeah. And it could be, that's all that these documents could say. We don't know why, because they sealed those documents mm-hmm. and we're not going to be able to review those. And I don't, I don't think that they've even put a release date on them. Uh, this is stuff that's probably yeah, but going that's to... what that's what the government does all the time. You know what I mean? Think about uh, the, the the Kennedy assassination, the files that were supposed to re- be released. I remember watching um, um, what's his name's movie, the JFK movie. Yeah, and thinking Oliver oh, Stone, Oliver Stone's movie, and thinking, oh, it's a couple years from now, we're going to these documents. We're gonna know everything? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't release these. They push the date back. Who? Who are they trying to protect? I don't know. Are they are they trying to cover up some uh, sick uh, child sex ring? I don't know. Yeah. Or is it just this money was tied to this organization that was tied to somebody that was bigger? And yeah, can money stop this stuff? Can money stop uh, the, this information coming out? Hell yeah. We see it all the time. We're seeing it more and more now, uh, even with this election. Uh, and, and I think as... Uh, hackers get uh, more experience. Uh, we're going to have more transparency, but it's not going to be because uh, the officials are giving it to you. It's going to be because people want to show uh, people's true colors. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see that more and more often. So real quick, back to the dollar bill, right? So <laughs> yeah, <we're, laughs> we kind of got sidetracked there, but this government case, conspiracy. this case is very easy to get sidetracked. And actually we had an email. Somebody was, you know, pointing out a lot of things that we did not cover regarding, uh, the Franklin credit union and some of the, in this, this sex scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not, we're not here to cover the sex scandal. You could do two or three hours on just the, on Lawrence King the Franklin Credit Union and that sex scandal, just like we said in the first episode, we're doing we're doing a show on Johnny Gosh. Yeah, and, and, and FYI, just, some people were scarred because you called him Larry King. You scarred him. Like listeners are scarred. Well, like, his name is Larry King and Lawrence E. King, <laughs> but it's a, not the Larry King that that we know from from TV from CNN. Lawrence E. King. So anyway, back to Johnny Gosh. Right, we have the dollar bill. Now I I'd, I'd wondered too, you know, if well if I'm if I'm being captive, right? How does this dollar bill this dollar bill gets into circulation somehow? You know, right. it was if let's pretend that Johnny did write on the dollar bill. Now, it had to get into circulation somehow. Did he give it to did he purchase something with this dollar bill or did how did it get into the store? Uh, how did it, did it end up at a bank and then the bank, you know, they're making change for the store. Somehow this dollar bill if we can believe it came from Johnny, it got from Johnny to the store into the hands of this person that got it in change. Now, if I'm Johnny and I'm able to write a little note like that, why wouldn't I just say, why wouldn't I just tell somebody, Hey, I'm Johnny gosh. And I would like to go home. You know, um, uh-huh. this, this creep guy captured me and, and I want to go home. <laughs> That's a lot easier said. I mean, look, we, we know for uh, a fact 
and a lot of these cases where somebody's abducted, no matter what age, they they will talk about how, yeah, I was just in this place for a while, then all of a sudden, now I'm outside, and now we're going to the grocery store, and now we're going to fast food, and, and now I'm like in society. And why, well, why don't you ever tell anybody? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what the captor is telling them? Uh, they could say, look, you're, you're a 12 year old boy you, and you it seem to be very close with your mother and your father. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, look, yeah, you run away. I might not be able to find you, but I know where your parents live. Right. I'm going to kill your whole family. Right. And, that, and I think that's enough of a reason or enough, um, you know, depending on your relationship with your parents. But uh, to me, I, that would freak me out. And so, yeah, okay, we're we're at a McDonald's or, or wherever we're at, and I have this opportunity. I have to give this money to the cashier, pull out a pen real quick, you know. There was a rumor of of a boy coming forward and saying, hey, I'm I'm Johnny Gosh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'll tell the story best that I can because, like I said, it may just be a rumor. I couldn't find any, you know, multiple people, uh, come, you know, reporting this story. But well, this episode is is really just all the interesting things around this case. Again, with the dollar bill, is it is it him? Is it not him? We don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, I think if Noreen believes it's it's a sign from him, then possibly. But I, that's the idea of this episode is just bring up this interesting stuff, whether it's true or not. You know. That's that's for the listener to determine. Now, this story actually took place about six months or maybe a year after Johnny went missing. And from best I can tell, a boy uh, roughly the same age as what Johnny would have been at that time, you know, so now he would have been about 13, 13 and a half, uh, approached a woman in a, I believe it was a gas station parking lot or some kind of small business parking lot Uh and said, you know, very quickly ran up to her and said, I'm, I'm Johnny gosh. Uh, this man has taken me or the, or these men have taken me something to that effect. Right, right. And, uh, the rumor is that then two men grabbed the boy and, and left with him in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you watch the documentary, this is not in the documentary. Yeah. Um, and I have a hard time believe, I think this is probably a rumor because there's, there's a few things missing from this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, have you ever, have you ever seen a, a situation where you're out and you question the situation, especially when it's like like a child? Like all the if, time, I'm I'm questioning the situation right now. No, like I mean, if I go to like one time, I went to a restaurant years ago, and I, I walked past this boy, this little boy that had a black eye, and he's sitting there with his parents, and I couldn't quit watch staring at the parents all the time while I'm eating. I'm trying to see if they're going to be mean to the boy. You know right. what I mean? So uh-huh. what I'm getting at is. I think I think that most people react and behave in similar manners, and that my my approach would be if if some kid came up to me, whether I believed it was Johnny Gosh or not, if some kid came up to me and said those things, I would pay attention to the vehicle that these people got into. Right? I mean, just I'm some, grabbing the kid and saying, right, then, you, I, you want to get this kid, you got to come through me. But even if Stupid what I'm getting at what I'm getting at is even if I didn't believe the boy for whatever reason, I would still be paying attention to what's going on. I, I would I I'm, wouldn't just say whether I whether right, but whether or not I believe him or not, I'm just taking that kid. 
But what I'm saying is this is why I have a hard time believing the story because there's nothing going along with it. Whoever right, whoever right, right. said this, they didn't say, well, it was it was two white men. Right, no, right. there's no description of either man. There's no description of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. There's nothing other than some kid ran up to me and said, I'm Johnny Gosh, and he was about the same age, and then yeah, two yeah, guys yeah. took him. Okay, the only thing is what was the age of the person that said this? Because what if it was a 16-year-old? Then, right. then, I, then I think the the story has more weight. This kid came up, said, "I was Johnny Gosh." I was like, "What the what the shit?" You know. And then he who's took Johnny off. Gosh? It, right. Maybe the person maybe, didn't know who it was. Right. I don't even know who it was. <laughs> but I think if there was any validity to this story, uh, Noreen being so um, uh, active in this case, I think if there was any validity to it, she would have uh, fished that out, and we would have seen that uh, presented on the documentary who yeah, took Johnny. That's a good, that's a good uh, thing right there, captain. You're, you're exactly right. Noreen, if she believed the story, we would hear this story a hundred thousand times. That's who Noreen is. She would go out and she would scream this from the mountaintops. And- yeah. Which is great. I mean, that's what all parents should do. And I really think that her actions in this case have really changed the way some parents have uh, reacted for when their child has been abducted. And I, I think she's set a good, uh, example, even though some people, you know, there's a lot of critics out there that think that she's crazy, but, uh, and I wanted to mention my opinion of that story because that's like a, to me, that's a caveat to our listeners. Okay. A lot of our listeners are armchair detectives and, you know, mm-hmm. web sleuths and whatnot. They're trolling the internet. They're looking beautiful for, people. They're not trolls. Well, they're beautiful people. Well, they're they're hunting the internet mm-hmm. for in, uh, clues and and trying to help out is what they're doing. Uh, but and a lot of times you will see these different stories and different eyewitnesses accounts on all these cases that we do. Yeah. One thing that I look at when when I'm reading through these these eyewitness accounts is I'm looking for someone that's telling a story with specific details. Because they're more likely to be telling the truth when they're able to give you specifics rather than just this very vague, foggy story of, of, a, of a boy run, randomly running up to me in a parking lot. Uh, so th- that's just my caveat to, to the armchair detectives out there. All right, let's get into the next uh, interesting tidbit after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. 
It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month, while your subscription is active. And we're back. Cheers. Welcome back. Um, so we have a few things to talk about with Mr. Johnny Gosh, right? We talked about the dollar bill. We talked about the rumor of the story of the person in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, during, you know, in the first episode, we also talked about how the police weren't overly excited about investigating this case. And, and Noreen Gosh has been very... Uh, you know, she's, she's complained often and very loudly about, uh, yeah, how lazy they were. Them, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, they we, seem, I mean, look, when you have a search party of, you know, 30, some people, 30 to 40 people and, and the chief of police comes out and says, Hey, 
This is nothing more than a damn runaway. Well, and after after some time, uh, this was police chief Orville Clooney. Uh, he seemed to not, he's the one that came out and said, the kid's just a damn runaway. Um, he ends up resigning from his job. Uh, there's an investigation that goes on into his acts. Um, and he, after about six months into this investigation, he resigns. Um, the way that this, this investigation is brought about against Orville Clooney is 18 police officers under his command, Mm-hmm. Uh, start complaining and they're filing written complaints uh, from everything from from Orville drinking on the job to fixing tickets to racism mm-hmm. and as well as him interfering with an investigation uh, regarding a, a case that involved his son. Well, and in the documentary, they also point out this argument that happened uh, because, you know, the Gosh family said, hey, these, you know, this chief thinks this is just a runaway. Mm-hmm. So they hire a PI and the chief of police was pissed off about this. So he came and, and was screaming at them in their own house. Um, so yeah, he was let go again. Now this leads to the speculation that this is this bigger conspiracy, this bigger sex trafficking ring. And that maybe this chief of police wasn't involved, but knew some people that were involved. And that was the reason why he was from the get-go saying, hey, this is just a runaway. What, one other story that's interesting regarding Noreen Gosh and the uh, private investigators that they had hired, that the Gosh family hired, and the police chief getting all all up in that business, uh, the, the, the private investigator wanted to run a little bit of surveillance. They were going to park some vehicles and surveil the area where Johnny went missing from. Now, mm-hmm. they wanted to do this on a Sunday at about the same time. So they would be able to see what kind of cars, what kind of people were going through this area at that day and that time. Now this would be, if you thought, if you thought that this was a crime of opportunity, that you just, you weren't watching Johnny, that you were, you weren't specifically looking to abduct him. It's just, you were, you were, you know, I in the area. Yeah, I don't think anybody was going, Hey, here's this Johnny Gosh kid. We're going to take him. I think it's more the idea that, Hey, we know paper boys are out. I think you're right. And I think that's what the private investigator was on to. And he parked his vehicle and they wanted to surveil the area. And the police chief had, uh, police officers basically harass them. So they couldn't do their investigation. And I believe Noreen said that they even may have arrested the, uh, the private investigator. Mm. So, just, just another thing to, to really tick you off. I mean, if if they're not going to investigate the case, at least let the Gosh family do it, right? Mm-hmm. At least let them try to find their son. Don't get in the way. Uh, if you're not going to be helpful, at least back off. Yeah, again, but like I said, this goes with this idea that who did the police chief know? Mm-hmm. And maybe he knows somebody that is, you know, hey, this is your job. You're going to kick back or whatever it is. I think he um, didn't like Noreen Gosh is what I think it is. I think he had a problem with her and I think he I, don't, I think he was unprofessional. We see these other mm-hmm. acts of drinking on the job, ticket fixing, racism. Right, I think right, he right. was an unprofessional dude and he let Douche. it mm-hmm. and he let his feelings, his ill will feelings about Noreen Gosh get in the way of doing his job or letting his other officers do their job. No, I just think he, I think he had a problem with a lot of people and then that came out and then 
Obviously, he had problems with a lot of people. If you get all these written complaints enough, where you're going to resign? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it was just singular towards Noreen. Now, let's fast forward to 1997. Do you got anything to present before 97? Because something big happens in this case in 1997. Go for it. We have Noreen Gosh. She is no longer living with her husband, uh, Big Johnny. Big John is what we were calling him. Uh, about 10 years after uh, Johnny went missing, the they ended up getting a divorce. So, yeah, the, uh, most uh, most of the time when a couple has a, a you know a, a child even you know die or go mm-hmm. missing, it, it normally is kind of a a, a kind of a spear. You yeah. know, and, and then it's something that I, I, it's hard enough to remain a couple just during normal times, let alone to have a, a kid go missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times the marriage will not survive uh, because of this, but they're divorced and she's living by herself. And this is in uh, March of 1997. And she says this was very early in the morning, about two thirty in the morning. She's getting a knock on her, on her door. Mm-hmm. And a persistent knock, she says, and it, to the point where she gets up, answers the door. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, before answering the door, she looks outside and there's she sees two men and um, she recognizes one of the men's eyes and says, you know, this this he's got the same eyes as my boy. Mm-hmm. And this man introduces himself as Johnny Gosh. She says, Mom, it's me. I'm It's Johnny. She lets these two guys into her home and they yeah, and spend. Yeah, it's not clear if it's because sometimes it's reported that uh, it's Johnny, older, a little older version of Johnny, and maybe a boy or mm-hmm. younger. But depending on what website you read or where you find this report from, uh, it's not very clear. No, actually, it's two completely opposite stories, right? Captain, I've read one story where it's. You said Johnny and a boy, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other story I've read was it was Johnny and a man, and it looked like Johnny was uh, the other man was like giving him the nod on things he was allowed to say and not to say, you know. The, so yeah. kind of two very conflicting stories. Regardless, Noreen says in both accounts that the other man was whether it be a boy or a man was not introduced mm-hmm. and did not speak very often. Um, but Johnny spent. Uh, I've, again, with the stories, I've heard as little as an hour. I've heard as as long as maybe two and two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But he spent a considerable amount of time in Noreen's home discussing what had been going on and and that he was, yes, he was involved in this. He's been a prisoner in the sex ring and that they will, that he's afraid. He can't go out and live his life again. He can't return to his family because they've made it clear to him that they will kill him. That his life is in danger. And possibly and, his family's life. And he's not even supposed to be there talking to her at right. that exact time. Yeah, this is very strange. And this comes out um, because she's at this uh, court hearing. And it's they're Paul Benassi's court hearing for the civil the civil trial. Yeah, so they're asking her all these questions. And, and you know, ha, you know I, I think it comes out, have you seen Johnny? or anything since his disappearance. And, and then that's when the story comes out. She claims too, that, you know, it was like, you can't tell anybody because they'll kill me. Mm-hmm. So that's, this is the story. A lot of, you know, uh, friends of mine that follow our show, you know, I'll 
I, I kind of put out fillers, you know, so we're talking about this Johnny Gosh case with some of my buddies and, and, and one of them, the coach from Ohio uh, was telling me, this is a story that he just doesn't buy. Right. Uh, he, to him, it doesn't come off um, genuine. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I don't buy it either. Well, it's weird because one, you you don't tell anybody for years. Two, it was about two years, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't lie under oath. You shouldn't lie ever. But you're going to then say it, you know, two two years afterwards. You're going to bring it up in court. That's going to be printed, you know. So, uh, the coach from uh, up north was telling me. He thinks it's just a, a way to keep the story, keep some momentum of the Johnny Gosh story going. Um, because the more you can talk about it, more more likely you can get answers. And that's kind of what he believes Noreen was doing. I think, uh, I think a couple things happened here, Captain. Okay. Um, one thing that they didn't... Actually, I, I don't know if they said it in the documentary or not, but I, I don't believe that they did. Noreen was actually, she was on national TV shortly before this happened. So this was not just a random knock at the door one night. Uh Uh, She was on national TV. I believe it was the Lisa show. You remember the Lisa show was one of those like afternoon talk shows. Nope. Uh, It's kind of a ripoff of Sally, Jesse, Raphael. So she's on the show and on the show, this is national television. She says, Noreen, gosh. I no longer live at, at our old home, Johnny. Our, your, your parents have gotten divorced. I still live in the area. This is where I live. This is my address. Uh-huh. If you need to reach out to me, if you ever want to come home, if, if you can ever escape your captors. Um, here, here's the problem. You, It's very tough, man. You, I understand that she wants to help her son and that, that she's doing everything she can. But if... If you're going to put your address on national TV, there's a decent chance that some a-hole might might pull a prank on you. Um, I don't know that, yeah. that that's what went down, but that's my suspicion. I think somebody, some jerk and his friend probably knocked on her door, probably said, hey, it's Johnny. I'm home. You know, and I think that's more far-fetched than just to think really? that Noreen just made it up. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I think regardless, I mean, of, of course... Uh, that's what I think happened. I think that somebody pulled a prank on her. I don't think, but I don't think that if that is the case, I don't think that she believed that it was Johnny. I think what happened was she got on the stand and they're grilling her and they're saying, you know, well, why are you even testifying in this, in this trial? Well, because this is what happened to my son. He's, he's been abducted in this uh, sex ring and he's Mm -hmm. being traded and sold. And well, how do you know that that happened? How do you even know he's alive? Well, I, he came to see me and exactly what you said. The, the other problem with this, the biggest problem with this story is the reasons for keeping it secret are the same reasons that this story cannot be true in my mind. You, you didn't tell anybody for two years or two and a half years. You kept it to yourself because you were afraid for his life, mm-hmm. yet you weren't afraid enough to, to, to not say it on, on stand, you know, it, and like you said, it's released in the papers. Then she's on TV on Sally, Jesse, Raphael months later. And she's telling the story <laughs> she again. On Sally, Jesse. Was she on Sally? She Jesse? was. Yeah. Oh, nice glasses. Um, I don't know. The, the tough thing about this is with Noreen, I feel that she's authentic. I think she, 
she comes to off to me as authentic. Uh, she comes off as very caring, very intelligent. Uh, I don't know how much I buy this story, but but that's what makes it difficult because it seems like uh, she she you know she's a good person, so I want to believe her. Uh, I I just don't know how much that story makes sense to me. No, you're exactly right. She, I agree. She's a very good person. She's done mm-hmm. great things for trying to find her son. She's refused well, to well, let this case on go, top of go that, quiet. Right, but you put it's not just a, she turned it in from not only is she still trying to find get answers about her son she has done work to help thousands and thousands of other families there there's kids that go missing every day and for whatever reason and and because of her effort she has changed the landscape of this well and if you're at home or wherever you are Thanks for listening. Um, you And you're going, well, how can they defend Noreen Gosh? Well, all right, just hold on here a second. Hold on. You know, let's keep in mind. She, I don't think anybody's saying that. We got good listeners. No, I know. But keep in mind, she's a victim. She's lost. All right. She's She's been lost uh, mentally and emotionally because of this horrible thing that's happened to her. I don't think she's but, been lost. But in the Those process. Your words, not mine. In the process, you know, she did change. Remember, there was a 72-hour waiting period for the police to investigate Johnny's disappearance. The reason being is back then in the early 80s, they didn't distinguish the difference between an adult, a missing adult, and a missing child. There was no difference legally to Mm -hmm. the police. So what she has done, uh, she has made that change in Iowa that has changed that has also created change in other states now where the police and FBI have to distinguish a, the difference between adults and children and now when there's a sus- suspected abduction or a missing child they are to investigate immediately and mm-hmm. we all know that we all know from having done this for so long that the first 48 hours is the most crucial to any missing person's case out there. You're more likely to find them alive if you can find a lead or find them within the first 48 hours. So she's made, that's a huge change. And then the other thing that we talked about as well, she gets involved with the Walsh family and other families of missing children, and they form the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is which has gone on to do great things. And since the induction of that um organization the 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 success rate of finding children and finding them alive has gone up greatly Mm -hmm. yeah i mean so hands down uh what what, whatever you think of her i'm look i I don't think anybody's at home going why are you defending her i think it's not now (laughs) Uh, all right so yeah and then there were some pictures found so you want to talk about those pictures how about you tell us about the pictures well, there's a series of pictures, really. Yeah, so this was in uh, September 1st of 2006. Um, Noreen Gosh says that she receives some, anonymous, anonymously receives some photographs. And there's a few different photographs, like you had said. There's one of, it looks like some some young teenage boys tied up on a bed or a couch. Right. Um, and then there's one of a single boy uh, that appears to be tied up. Now it's the single boy in the, as far as the documentary goes. Um, and there's a lot of Noreen interviews out there. I recommend watching, uh, watching most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always something interesting in her interviews. Um, especially if, especially if you're as fascinated about this case as I am. 
but she does say that the the boy, the one boy, she can see what appears to be that birthmark on on the chest that she yeah, that we spoke of. In basically, the first Johnny has a discoloration uh, on his chest, kind of to his shoulder area. But what what's uh, but here's what's strange. So there's a group of three boys in one picture. She says the one on the right is Johnny. If you look at the pictures of Johnny that went missing, and this boy, eh, similar. But it's like it's, it's hard. It's a stretch. It's hard to make out. Well, what what happened was the lead investigator of a case in Florida comes out and says, "Hey, we know what this picture is. We and know, we know who, who these, these boys, boys are, and that boy is not Johnny Gosh." Mm-hmm. So there's there's a situation where a mother is saying, "That's my boy," and it's we have uh, factual evidence to say, "No, it's not." Mm-hmm. Now there's this other boy, and there's tons of pictures. If you type in Johnny Gosh um, and just do an image Google search, this boy shows up over and over. Now, here's where I stand on this. Now, this is, again, Noreen says, this is my boy. Now, this boy is not accounted for. And if you watch the documentary, they talk about that. What I find interesting is that Big John says, "It's that's not my boy. Yeah. He, he doesn't believe that's his son. Um it's it's very difficult because you know as you change that your nose changes a lot right mm-hmm. so that that yeah, it's like and now look i've only seen a handful of pictures of johnny you know like the paperboy picture the famous pa- paperboy picture um where he has his little satchel and he's going on his route if you look at that picture and then you look at this boy uh, it's hard for me to tell because kids age, you know, the way they age, it's hard to tell, you know. Uh, you know, I was a, a stepfather for two boys, and I don't see them often. And when I see pictures of them now. They've changed quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I can tell it's them, mm-hmm. but there's so many features that are just a lot different. And so I think maybe a mom would know that. You would see it in the eyes. I think that, you know, the eyes don't change. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what she's seeing. I don't see it. And like I said, for, for the record, the, the big John doesn't think so either. I, I thought that the, the picture of the boy that was unidentified, I thought that the hair and in the eye color was close or, or the same. Um, but the boy looked a lot thinner to me, which I, I understand people can lose weight, especially if you're being yeah, held sure. captive. Yeah. Um, but the father pointed out the, the size of the foot, um, that he believed that Johnny would have had bigger feet even at the time of his, you know, we're Mm. guessing that the pictures are taken later, obviously. So his foot should have grown rather than your feet don't shrink. Well, Um, what's weird about, uh, this unidentified boy, right? If it's Johnny, we don't know. But, uh, Paul Benassi talks about a branding mark that these captors put on people, people that are. In charge of the sex ring, they put a brand mark. Now, when he said this, when he came out and said this, people thought he was crazy. But then people came forward and showed their branding marks that they had on them. And not all the pictures, but later on, I think the pictures that they think are older, uh, ha- this kid now has a branding mark on. So I, I think that's interesting that that um, is a direct tie to Paul Benassi's um, claims. And it's also interesting that the kid is never identified. You know, yeah. usually 
You know, that's that's we had these same questions when we had when we did our photograph interview or our photograph episode. Well, and because that he was never identified, that means you can't rule it out. It's it's very possible it could be Johnny. You it can't could rule it. it could be Johnny, or at the very least, it's another kid that's been taken and you know. Yeah, and and for all record, I have no record of any other parent, you know, or group of parents that are coming out saying, "No, that's our boy. That can't right. be Johnny because that's our boy." Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Again, and like I said, I think the mother would know, you know, to be honest with you, because you know sometimes men are dumb. Uh, I believe that the, you know, the mom would have a better um, way of identifying him than than probably the father would. Yeah. I can agree with that. Uh, but Noreen certainly wants everything to be Johnny, you know, the, the dollar bill, the, the person on the doorstep, the, the, the photographs. Of course she does. Um, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, but I think, I think here's what, here's what I think is going on here, Captain. I think that we have, we probably have a situation where the Franklin, uh, credit union was involved in some kind of child sex scandal. I can believe that. Do do I believe Paul Benassi that he was abused? Yes, I believe that he was abused at some point. I don't know that. I don't believe he has multiple personalities. I don't believe he was there when Johnny Gosh was taken. I think Johnny Gosh was probably taken by an individual that's a pedophile that was hunting in the area for uh for young boys, 12, 13 year old boys that he could abduct. And, Mm -hmm. and so let's go over some things here regarding statistics. So in the state of Iowa, now, one thing I will say, the state of Iowa has a fantastic website for their cold cases, um, that, which includes missing persons, uh, here in Ohio, we have a database that you can go to and it's, it's unsolved homicides, but I don't believe that I couldn't, I don't know of one that you can find for missing persons in the state of Ohio. Yeah, there's one out there. Oh, there we go. So, uh, but Iowa has one as well. And what some stats that I pulled off of there. So, from well, and the the the, 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 the nationwide database, you can search by state and city. From night from the year 1930 to uh, currently, uh, the state of Iowa has 137 missing kids and adults, people that have never been found anywhere or, or reported themselves as still being around right. and living elsewhere to this day. Now that doesn't seem like a huge number when you go all the way back to 1930, but the fourth person listed on there disappeared in 1972. So what does that mean? That means we have 133 missing kids and adults between the years of 1973 and 2016. In the area of Des Moines, Iowa, we have 35 in that time period. And in Polk County, we have 37 in that time period. So that's almost one missing person a year since 1973. Right. Well, I mean, some of that stuff before the 70s is it's just not being reported. You know, you'd have a, a 16-year-old. You got to remember the times, too, and and in the, in the 30s and the 40s and 50s and stuff like that. There was a lot of people that left home at 16, mm-hmm. you know, because you're an adult at 18. Most people were expected to leave the house. Now, now we have situations where, you know, people move back from college, you know, they're in their mid twenties, even their early thirties living with parents still. But back in the day, I mean, 16, 17 year old run away. They're, eh, they're almost an adult. They'll take care of themselves. And that stuff wasn't reported. 
Um, now, if there's going to be a lot of people going missing in one area, I think that leads to the idea of some kind of sex ring. You know what I mean? Sex trafficking, human trafficking. We, we you know, this is this is something like in '82 when they're talking to the police chief and they're talking about a pedophile. They didn't even know what the hell they're talking about. Right. And then in the last five years, I mean, uh, five ten years ago, you say human trafficking, people go, "What the? What are you talking about?" And that this is a reality that we're just becoming more aware of, you know. So, but I, I think we're. I don't think we're dealing with a with a with a sex child sex ring here that that's plucking children off the streets of Des Moines, Iowa. I don't. I don't think that's the situation. I think the situation is we got one bad dude out there that that uh, has done this multiple times. Um, you know, we a couple of the cases from that area. Okay, so we have Eugene Martin, age 13. He went missing August 12, 1984. Well, one of the kids that went missing, um, <laughs> Noreen, actually got was contacted. She was contacted before, had um, a lead. Um, I don't know who gave it to her, but it was basically the idea that a, another kid is going to be taken. This is the date, and this is roughly the time. And then another boy went missing. And then Noreen uh, got in contact with the family. Well, the family was then told beforehand, don't talk to Noreen Gosh about this stuff. She's crazy. Uh, but but she also had a date and time of, of when a kid's going to go missing, and a kid went missing. Well, I don't know anything about that, but I want to talk about Eugene Martin's case. Okay, so he goes missing August 12, 1984. This would be 23 months after Johnny goes missing. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a story that you're going to say, well, that sounds familiar because it, it's the same story. Eugene Martin leaves his home approximately at 5 a.m. that morning to deliver the newspaper. He goes out on his paper route. Mm -hmm. Now, there's multiple eyewitnesses again in this case as well. Some report between the between the time of 5 a.m. and 5.45 a.m. that Eugene Martin is seen talking with a clean-cut white male in his 30s. Other persons report having seen the same activity between the time of 5.45 a.m. and 6.05 a.m. Now, between 6.10 and 6.15, his bag is found. His newspaper bag is found, and it's got 10 papers in it. This is found by the route manager. You know, you talked about your district manager in our first episode. Well, mm -hmm. what happened was they were starting to receive phone calls of people not having received their paper. The district manager goes out and he finds the paper bag and he picks up the papers and he just delivers the rest of them. Right. Um, it, it's later determined that Eugene Martin is missing and we have a problem here, right? So what, what happens shortly after that is that the authorities send out a nationwide bulletin to be on the lookout for a man between the ages of 30 and 40 years old who is five foot nine inches tall, clean shaven with a medium build. Well, what do we see here, Captain, that we saw on, on, in, in Johnny Gosh's case? Five foot nine, five foot nine inches tall. That's the same height that, that the eyewitnesses describe in the Johnny Gosh, Gosh case of the suspect for that case. And the uh, problem with that suspect is he didn't. He wasn't out of the car, the one that was driving the car. 
Right, but they were able to come up with with a, a, a general right, height, right. a general height, and we're seeing that they're I'm using. I'm just saying it's a lot easier for, for me to tell you how tall you are if you're standing up than when you're sitting down in a car. I 100% agree with that. Now we have another case. We have Mark Allen, age 13. We're okay. Johnny is 12, almost 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Eugene Martin is 13 years old. Mark Allen, 13 years old. He goes missing March 29th, 1986. This is less than two. This is a year and seven months after Eugene Martin goes missing. Now, this is a uh, Saturday evening. It's the day before um, uh, Easter. And Mark is at his mom's home and he's leaving to go meet some friends. He's going to walk and meet some friends and they might even take in a movie or something, according to what he told his mother. Mm -hmm. He's last seen leaving the home. His mother doesn't suspect that he ran away because uh, the boy says as he's leaving, save me some pizza. Uh, I'm going to be hungry when I get home tonight. Yeah. Um, he he walks toward down to the street, over to some bushes, and he turns and he waves at his mother. His mother waves from the window, and that's the last time she sees young Mark Allen. Uh, he's He's never seen again. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the documentary, I think that this, I don't know why this story, it really disturbed me on the idea that, I mean, here's this, you know, 13-year-old kid, and, uh, you know, think about the, you, you get pizza night, that was like a big thing in my household growing up, normally Fridays, you got the TGI, you know, the, the shows would come on with Urkel and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, step by step, there was just a lot of bad shows on. But you get your pizza and you hang out with your family or maybe uh, have a friend over. So I think maybe those childhood memories, just the whole idea where he's going to go hang out with some friends and says, you know, save me some pizza. I I don't know why, but to me, I just am a little disturbed by all that. We have three boys within a a, a four month or sorry, four year time period that go missing two of them. They're out on paper routes at the same time of day. Um, right. But you're the one that keeps on saying we don't have a sex trafficking ring. Right. I, I don't think we have a ring at all. I think we have one guy that's going out and going, you know what? I know that there's young boys delivering the newspapers on the weekends. I will oh, drive yeah, to the neighborhood and there's two of them yeah. and abduct one. Um, you know, in all these cases take place on the weekend um, two of them very similar in my opinion. We see roughly the same time period uh, where it's about a year and a half to two year gap between each each of these cases. And we're also seeing victims that are all the same age. They're the same race. They come from similar backgrounds. They're all in the same area. These are all boys from Des Moines, Iowa. Right. But to me, that leads more to the... <laughs> Uh, idea that this is what type of person we're looking for, or this is what type of child we're looking for, and there's a reason behind that. And I don't, I don't think it's just one person. I mean, I, I think it's kind of silly to dismiss everything that Paul Benassi is saying and all the claims that he are, the, all the claims that he has made that have been backed up. I mean, he talks about, oh yeah, when we take these kids to this house in Colorado, all that house is there. But again, there's no vehicle. There's no Emilio. There's, you know, he he tells us a lot of things that are backed up, but nothing in regards, in direct regard to Johnny Gosh. He tells us about all these other things that are going on, but nothing that has to do with the abduction or the sale 
of Johnny Gosh. No, but nothing what, in that thing is. But what up. he does tell you, and what he, and the reason why Noreen believes that he was involved, is the idea that he brought up things like the the scar on his tongue, the scar on the back of his leg, things that were not reported in the paper. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why Noreen believes him. Again, how did he just make that shit up? I I don't think so. I think that's a far stretch. I mean, you're going to try to tell me that, you know, you just met a kid one time and you know they have a scar on their tongue. But did did Noreen or did investigators or anybody lead him into coming up with those to to coming up with those descriptions? No, but look, nobody nobody believed him when he said uh, hey, by the way, there's this cabin or this house that we go that we take these kids to in Colorado, and everybody thought he was full of shit. They drive out to Colorado. Oh shit, there's a house there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh yeah, by the way, uh, in the back, there's this uh, secret little passage, and there's going to be these tunnels dug, and because w- that's where they put kids. Yeah, but that has, now, that has nothing to do with Johnny Gosh's case. That I, no, but what I'm saying is that it proves that there's validity to what he's saying. Just some of and, his story. And and not only that, but, oh, there's this branding mark that they make. And then a bunch of kids come forward. We don't have a problem with sex trafficking. We have we, This is a problem. And look, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, uh, it, maybe it's just random. but uh, And maybe Paul Bonassi is, you know, brought up this Johnny gosh case for for no reason and uh and maybe some people led him down the path on on the johnny gosh case but as far as um you know a lot of his story checking out i mean i'd say at least 50 percent of it does yeah and there's some people that would point out that we've never you know because we've never found johnny's body that that's further proof that he was abducted and was thrown into this check this child sex ring mm-hmm. um, and kept underground and captive for all these years but you know take a minute and review the the Jacob Wetterling case uh, the the 11-year-old boy that went missing in 1989 uh, he we end up learning you know almost 30 years later that he was abducted at gunpoint uh, that that he was held for not very long at all he was sexually abused and assaulted and then killed shortly after his abduction and they, and he was buried in a remote location. Um, unfortunately, when we read about cases like that and investigate cases like that, we're reminded that when people go to lengths of, of such of burying people that they can remain hidden from us for a very long time. If not, if not forever, uh, one, I would love to know if anybody has questioned Danny Henrik. He's the one, or sorry, Danny Heinrich. He's the one that uh, was later uh, that we learned abducted Jacob Wetterling. I know it's in a different state, but it's not terribly far from one another. And this guy, he he comes off to me as a serial killer. I don't think that this Jacob Wetterling was a one-time thing for him. Um, another person of interest in this, in Johnny's case, and the other two boys, um, Eugene Martin and Mark Allen, uh, would be a a man by the name of Roger Mattis. Uh, he was somebody that lived about an hour away from uh, West Des Moines. Uh, and back in 1966, when he, when Roger Mattis was 24 years old, he attempted to abduct a 12-year-old newspaper boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy was going around on his route, and he was collecting the bills. You know, he's, <laughs> you, you remember, you'd have to knock on the door and say, hey, 
you forgot to pay me for this mo- month's <laughs> forgot pay. to pay yeah. me for the last six months yeah and really they didn't forget to pay i think they just didn't, <laughs> didn't want to pay they'd always say i'll get you next week yeah so he goes to he knocks on this roger mattis's door and roger mattis tries to grab the kid and and pull him into the house well the kid gets right. away uh, he's grabbed by the shirt and he ends up slipping his arms out of the shirt. And so he can get away from this creep. Um, yeah, I know this is about a, it's an hour away. It's 1966. It's not, not 1982, but let me describe this Roger Mattis for you. He's described as dark Brown eyes with black hair and he's five foot eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have been in his early forties when the boys went missing. Uh, there is a problem with this though. He would have been living in Chicago in the 80s. Uh, this, again, is not terribly far for him to drive. The other thing we have to consider here is his parents and his grandparents still lived in Iowa. So he would travel there often to see his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with the Johnny Gosh case, we have an incident where we believe that the suspect had a vehicle that had Iowa plates. So this guy, Roger Mattis, would have had Illinois license plate on his vehicle. Yeah, if he was driving his vehicle. If he was driving his vehicle. He could have potentially been driving his parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we saw that we saw that with the, the Atlanta child killer. Yeah. Uh, he could have been driving grandma's car. Um, who knows? The, the interesting thing here, too, for me is... Mark Allen went missing the night before Easter. Okay. Uh, Johnny Gosh. Now he went missing on a Sunday morning, right? September 5th, Sunday morning. What happens the first Monday of every September? There's a national holiday. So what I'm getting at is for two of these abductions, right? It's most, you know, it, you're more likely to be traveling to see your family when there's a holiday. You see what I'm getting at here? You're picking up what I'm putting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he, if he were in the area, I would be very concerned. And he's somebody that I believe that they should talk to. It's if you want to talk to him, it's pretty easy because he's being held in a, in the penitentiary down in Texas, because not too long ago he was picked up for, uh, he was not only did he have it in his possession, but he was distributing child pornography. And when they raided his home and his business, they, the, the feds found more than 22,500 images on computers of child rape and child pornography. And it, this included four, over 420 videos. Um, so right, I, but this is what makes you so silly of a person. What? what? Okay, this is why it makes you so silly. No, this so, is what made me late this morning. No, but... <laughs> I, well, I was going to be here about an hour earlier, but I got, don't know what time we're recording. I got busy, it's very early. busy tracing this Roger Mattis all morning because we got a special Halloween episode for you this week. Anyways, this is why you're so silly is okay. You start presenting this guy that could possibly be the abductor of these three boys, right? Or at least one or two of the boys. Mm-hmm. And he is found distributing child pornography right i get you and you and so why is he distributing that for funds he's probably making money off of it okay possibly or trading i think these guys i think these guys do a lot of trading right but don't you think if he's in the game like that that it's possible that i see what you're getting at he's yeah i'm crazy and i'm gonna abduct them abduct them and i'm probably gonna do some shitty things to him but i'm gonna sell them when i'm done Look, there's a bunch of sickos out there, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, so that's what I'm saying. I, I, I think I think there's more to this uh, Paul Bonassi case or Paul Bonassi's story um, that, it's, I mean, it's super disturbing. I mean, to me, just the simple, they brand these kids. And, and so he says that that's backed up. We know that. And as far as like human trafficking goes, the thing that was really disturbing, what he talks about is all they didn't, they weren't interested in me anymore. This is what Paul said, Mm -hmm. because I'm not, because they need new kids. They want new kids that haven't been tortured yet. That I, to me, that's the most disturbing thing about this whole case. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you're done with that, I'd like to bring up the another sensational idea. Go ahead. Okay, so if you, because of the Lawrence E. King allegations and that whole ring that you know they 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 say is just a hoax. They say basically that story uh, of these allegations started from two employers, either of the bank or of the young boys group that got fired that just decided to come up with these claims. When they came up with those claims, then there was this investigation, then this money laundering and all this other stuff comes out. They go to jail for that, but you're stuck with these, you know, uh, human trafficking claims, basically sex crime claims. But there's a lot of connection with this group of people and it keeps going up. The chain keeps going up the chain all the way up to George Bush. George okay. Bush Sr., correct? George Bush Sr., yeah. I, I guess W is not technically a junior, but just so we're not confused, we're talking about the older yeah, older George Bush. The one He was a one-termer. Yeah. I hate th- to be a one-termer. Well, the thing is, is uh, I don't know how much validity there is to this story, but if you type in Johnny Gosh and George Bush, there's a picture of, it seems like George Bush is on like a campaign trail or something, but he's talking to a group of kids. Mm-hmm. And I think it's over his right shoulder. There's a boy that looks similar to Johnny Gosh. More similar to me. Uh, again, when was this photo taken? I'm not really for right. sure. Uh, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like Johnny Gosh has aged a bunch of years, but it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't think it's really him, but uh, it's something you, if you're interested in the case, Google it and, and check it out yourself. I'll I tell you what, Captain, it, it, this is a must Google. All right, I'm going to throw that out there. Must Google this picture because, you know, I saw the picture of the three boys um, on the mattress, you know, that we discussed. I saw the picture of the single boy by himself that, that we said has remained unidentified. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this picture at your urging. You, you would ask me to, to look this picture up. And I saw this picture, and you know what I thought I was going to see? I thought I was going to be let down again because when I saw the first pictures that Noreen brought up, uh-huh. the, the kids didn't look – none of them looked like Johnny to me. Um, and then you showed me this and I thought, Oh, of course the captain's going to have something. And it's going to be disappointing. And I, I Google it. This is a must Google captain recommendation. Uh, th- this kid looks more like Johnny than any of the other pictures. Like he, yeah, he, he could pass as Johnny. I had to look at it several times and I can't say for certain that it's not Johnny. It looks enough like him. Um, and obviously this doesn't mean that George Bush is connected in right. any way. You know what I mean? It's just, you know. It's just a, kid, a weird thing. If a, a kid weird. went missing, right? If a kid went missing and, and, 
and a week before he went missing, he was in a picture with Mr. T. I mean, we wouldn't be saying crazy stuff about Mr. T. Mm -hmm. Pity the fool. Anyways, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean that George Bush is connected in any way. It's just kind of this weird thing. And maybe some of these like uh, things that become a little conspiracy start taking off this crazy life of their own. Mm-hmm. Again, now now George Bush is part of the group of uh, that goes to the Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe there's some validity there. I just think there's a lot more validity to this this Paul Benassi uh, stories than uh, maybe some are taken serious. How about some more sensationalism, right? Yeah. We have uh, the story does not, I mean, this thing between the, the Franklin scandal and between Noreen Gosh and Johnny Gosh and uh, George Bush, uh, this thing just never stops getting weirder. Um, now we have people who have started to suspect that a man of that goes by the name of Jeff Gannon, did I get that name right? Mm-hmm. Jeff Gannon is actually Johnny Gosh. Yeah, he's basically a uh, White House reporter. Yeah, so he is, yeah, he's some kind of White House reporter, correspondent kind of dude. Um, and I guess he was, was he discredited in January of, or February of 2012? wasn't that he was discredited. It was just the fact that he doesn't really have any, he doesn't have the credentials that one you would assume needs to have to be a a white house reporter. So he's basically like some guy just walks (laughs) off the street with a pad and a, and a, and a pencil. And he's like, I'm here to take the report. Yeah. But this stuff happens all the time. Somebody knows somebody, you know, and then you get a job, but I believe, was it through credit cards or for some, some way, they were able to trace this Jeff Gannon to some kind of call boy service to like a, a, a male call service where you escort service. Yeah. I think he was an escort at some point. Yeah. And, um, or he was paying for escorts. He was involved. Yeah. He either, he either worked for one or he was in or using one. Um, but that's where we get this whole Jeff Gannon is Johnny gosh. Um, I believe there was also a newspaper article written about Johnny Gosh a long time ago uh, that was written by a reporter that went by the name of Jeff Gannon. Not technically the same one, but it's a weird coincidence uh, in this story. Now, um, but it's kind of like Beatles clues. You know, you hear about Beatles clues. I I don't know what that is. Okay, go for it. The Beatles. Okay, who the Beatles are. I've heard of them. So there's a lot, you know, it's like, oh, if you play this backwards, it says this. Okay, these clues, I got you. Paul's dead. Paul is dead, right. And really, a lot of these conspiracies just start because one happens, and then we start looking for more and more clues. Mm -hmm. That's why they call them Beatles clues. Um, Don't Google that, by the way, because that will take up your entire weekend if you Google Beatles clues. You You will spend the entire weekend convinced that they wrote a song telling you that Paul died in some kind of car accident and they've replaced him with a guy that looks just like him. Which there was a car accident. Right. So, it's, I mean, there's some validity to the story. <laughs> but uh, but no, no. And I think that's the case in this the John Gosh is I think, you know, one weird thing happens that leads to this other weird thing. And you're really just putting a bunch of dots out there. Are you connecting them? I'm not really for sure. I just think you're putting them out there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, this Jeff Gannon, it's not a uh, I don't believe, you know, I, there's no way I don't think he's Johnny Gosh. Um, 
But I will say, just like I said with the, the photograph with uh, George Bush, um, this guy is not... He 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 resembles Johnny somewhat, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could when you do the age enhancement, you would kind of see that uh, that he could potentially have grown up to look like this Jeff Gannon. Uh, Jeff Gannon is a bald, very bald man, though, right? Uh, like no hair at all. I'm guessing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but but I yeah, that's normally what bald means. But, but I'm joking. I'm only joking because of it. Norm- could be shaved head though. It could be, but Noreen's description of the man that that. Uh, came to her doorstep saying that he was Johnny was somebody that had long black hair, which is very different from being bald. Well, and I also think if there was somewhat some validity to this story that wouldn't Noreen be saying, Oh yeah, that's my, that's my boy. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, in case after case, time after time, it seems like even if there's a, a shred of hope, she is going with that's my boy. And, uh, and so here's this uh, reporter and he doesn't have these credentials and he's wrapped up in this es- escort thing. And not only that, like, okay, if I'm Jeff Gannon, right. And I've, and I'm actually Johnny gosh, let's pretend for a minute. And I've been abducted and I've been held as a slave and I'm terrified for my life. I'm afraid I can't communicate with my family. I can't tell the police what has happened, but I'm going to end up in the white house taking no- notes and, and giving you know, becoming a correspondent when I'm not even credited to do so. Um, that, that seems like a, another huge leap for me as well. Well, back to the story of, of Johnny visiting Noreen, the, the one issue I have with this is doesn't, if he is still involved with this group and now he's, you know, a older man, he would be like 30 some Forty some years old. Yeah, now. he would be. He was born in 1969. But but when he visited her, he was a man now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was so, almost thirty. So you're not you're not a kid anymore. So that makes you, you were the victim, and now you're the one victimizing people. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's what to me what she's implying, and that's that's where I have that's a thing where it's like she has to know she's implying that right. And so that's an uncomfortable thing for a mom to say. So maybe that goes with one of the things which would make me want to believe her more. Well, this is just a crazy case overall. Well, and the other thing too is captain and, and we do have to wrap this up at some point because in all honesty with how big this thing is and how big it goes. And if we were to go fully into this Franklin credit union scandal and the Bohemian Grove scandal, if we Uh went into all that into as much detail and the strange missing persons and, and deaths that followed all of those accusations, we could take true crime garage season four and it would be all about the Johnny gosh case. So, um, well, yeah, well I posted on social media that, you know, I'm trying to get you to quit your job. Uh, so we can do more episodes per week. So I was joking about a fundraiser, but we do have a fundraiser. You can go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate banner and we have a beer fundraiser. That's right. That's right. If you want it, but we want you to go to truecrimegarage.com and get on the blog and tell us on the Johnny Gosh blog and tell us what you think about this case. What do you think happened to Johnny? Do you like the captain's theory that there's a underground child sex ring? Or do you like my theory where there's one, one Mine's not a guy? theory. It's a fact. There's sex ring. It's still a theory. It's still a theory. No, no my All the right. theory is that I rec- believe that Johnny's involved in it. Okay. 
How okay, about, go ahead. Do you want some recommended reading, Captain? No, I don't want to read anymore. Yes, this you're week. going to read. Uh, this week we are recommending The Franklin Scandal. It's a story of power brokers, child abuse, and betrayal by Nick Bryant. This is for those of you that want to find out more about this case. Like we said, this this is more into the area of the Franklin Credit Union of mm-hmm. that scandal and the uh, potential child sex ring. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, pick up The Franklin Scandal, a story of power brokers, child abuse, and betrayal by Nick Bryant. That's available by going to truecrimegarage.com, click on the recommended page, and use the Amazon banner to make all of your fun purchases for true crime or for the holiday season. Yeah, and you can get anything through the Amazon banner. So just go to truecrimegarage.com click on the amazon banner i actually bought you'll never guess it nobody would be ever be able to guess what i bought at amazon this week red velcro why uh well for it's guitar stuff but but who would have thought i went to buy some velcro and they had red i thought well that's better than black something different that is so you can buy anything through there and for everything true crime garage go to truecrimegarage.com and thank you, beautiful people, for listening. We'll see you in a couple of days because we've got a special holiday episode. Happy Halloween. Yes, uh, join us for a special night of trick-or-treating uh, here in the garage. And we hope, hope to see you in a couple days. Right, Captain? Yes, sir. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.